Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in our lives, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and a lot of joy in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And I'm fascinated, excited, and thrilled to introduce you to a phenomenal individual. This gentleman's name is Mellon Thomas Benedict. Mellon Thomas Benedict's near-death experience resulted in perhaps the greatest fundamental transformations of any near-death experiencer ever documented. In 1982, miraculously, he returned to his body with a complete remission from a terminal illness. The advanced scientific knowledge he brought back from his experience led him to numerous scientific discoveries and U.S. and foreign patents. Mellon has invented, prototyped, and developed some 200 concepts and inventions in a variety of fields from shoes, hand tools, musical instruments, and toys to electronic devices, health aids, lab equipment, and phototherapy technologies. His products are being used to benefit people in over 20 countries. Mellon is a researcher, inventor in the field of quantum biology, biophotonics, and cellular communication, and a lecturer on the subject of longevity, energy medicine, and phototherapy. And truthfully, he has a long list of other credentials that make him an incredibly fascinating man, and we'll find out more about that in this interview. Ever since his near-death experience, Mellon has maintained his direct access to universal intelligence and returns to the light at will. This enables him to be a bridge between science and spirit and has guided him to develop new technologies for health and wellness. It is my my greatest pleasure to introduce you to Mellon Thomas Benedict. Mellon, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you for inviting me on your show, Sandra. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you and I'm, you know, you to me you're a superstar and I'm um, we haven't met before, and I'm just really excited to meet you, find out about you, and um, yeah, a little bit more about you. Um, where do where do we start? I know you've been on interviews for quite a quite a while. Um, prior to your near death experience, can you just tell us a little bit who you were, and you know what your life was like, and what you were up to, and then maybe what happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've had an eclectic kind of career. I um... I spent seven years, right after high school, um, I went right into uh, filmmaking. So I had about seven years in feature filmmaking um, and thought I was going to be a filmmaker the rest of my life. And then then after seven years of living in hotel rooms and (laughs) working, I loved the industry, but uh, something um, left me hollow about it. And so I left the industry and uh, became, uh, started apprenticing and became a stained glass artist for the next 15 years after that. Oh, how beautiful. And, um, yeah, I did uh, architectural pieces architect uh, with architects. I did a lot of churches and funeral homes. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I really enjoyed the work. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's um, it's all about details and right. stained glass, and that that really helped me focus 
because I'm a little bit attention deficit, but it really helped me focus. <laughs> and very artistic if you're doing stained glass. And then, and then um, I had my near-death experience in 82 mm-hmm. and actually kept my studio open till around um, 91 or 90. Uh, but I'd, I'd already started, um, you know, going out and doing these talks and everything. So I wasn't uh, wasn't actually home a lot, but my staff could run it. And then I closed my studio finally. And uh, uh, about 19, um, I'd been coming up with inventions ever since my near-death experience. And about 19, um, late 80s, about 91 or so, uh, I decided to become a full-time inventor and, you know, uh, move permanently to California where I could get uh, funding and things like that to do, you know, strange things. <laughs> so let's go back because now I'm dying to know. You had an illness of some sort, which something mm-hmm. happened to result in that near-death experience. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was, um, uh, 1981, I was diagnosed with uh, a, a form of uh, actual terminal brain cancer. It was inoperable and curable at the time. And, um, uh, uh, given about six to eight months to live. Wow. And I was completely clueless because uh, I'd never been in any of the situations that were going to follow. You know, I'd, uh, um, I'd never been in the situation where someone told you you were terminal, number one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, deal with that. And uh, uh, it's, a, it's the most surreal experience. Uh, one of the most surreal experiences I've ever had is when the doctor told me I was terminal. I, I couldn't understand the word he was telling me. It, I just didn't register, you know. I can't uh, you even imagine. You never going to happen. No, it happens yeah, to I, other people. I, yeah, I, right, and uh, and then um, they uh, they uh, they um, they want they still, although it was uh, incurable, uh, inoperable, uh, they dis- uh, they really wanted to push uh, uh, you know uh, heavy chemo, and they also wanted me to get surgery. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one thing that changed my life was that when I had my first meeting with the oncologist. Uh, and I believe he was a man from India, um, and I, I was sitting in his examination room or, and talking to him about, you know, prepping me for what's going to be happening next. And I asked him, I said, how much time is this going to give me? And he said, uh, he looked around and he closed the door to the exam room uh, or, the, or the conference room, and he said, uh, by the third, this is so radical, by the third session, you'll be a vegetable. Oh, my gosh. And I said, well, you know, lovely, uh, what can I do? And he said, go home and make your peace. And uh, uh, I had been estranged from my family uh, for uh, a good number of years at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, the thought of going home to my family and dying was as bad as dying. Dying, yeah. You know, because uh, I'd been disowned. I was... Um, uh, my, I come from a, a multi-generational military family, and we were expected to join the military, but uh, I chose not to because of Vietnam. And right. uh, I, I call myself a, a proud anti-war veteran. Mm-hmm. I'm also a veteran. And uh, I believe it, I believe the Americans should stay here and support the anti-war movement, not mm-hmm. not run to Canada and hide and you know, pull tricks. My family disowned me. Everybody disowned me. So I, I never wanted to speak to them again. Sure. You know. But um, uh, talking about being clueless, um, I had no spirituality, really, a conscious spirituality anyway. Um, I had been raised in a Catholic boarding school, uh, um, and um, I think the cat, and I've talked to a lot of people who've had a similar experience. It pretty much uh, creates an atheist right there for, for the most part. Sure. But 
I, I, by an early age, I was done with God or any concept of that. I thought it was silly from the world I was looking at and the people I was seeing and dealing with. It was even as a child, it didn't ring right. And so I, I just didn't even take it seriously. And I wasn't even an atheist because, you know, an atheist will give you an argument. Right. But to me, it was point, the whole thing was pointless to even talk about. So I never thought about it again. But um, uh, so, and also, I was, uh, I was completely clueless in that I'd never even heard of hospice till I ended up in one. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, by just by the just by grace, um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have a lot of money, and here I am terminal, and I really didn't know what to do. And a friend introduced me to a friend of hers who had been working with um, this woman named Elizabeth Kubler Ross. Yes, I yeah. know and, about her. Yeah, and I'd never heard any of this, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but uh, but it was a, it was going to be a safe um, uh, place to go and die. That's that's uh, that Bottom was the big line. thing for me. Yeah. So so um, uh, she invited me to come up to the hospice, which was um, in about uh, oh four or five hours from where I lived in the mountains. And so I went, moved into hospice. You know, it was a small one. It was a kind of a country hospice. Mm-hmm. wasn't a big city thing at all. And um, that's where you know I, I um, settled in to die. And uh, so I, um, I degenerated on doctor's orders, you know, like Bernie Siegel says, you know, <laughs> follow the doctor's orders. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, and um, I had a written will. I did not want to be resuscitated uh, at all. I did want to die to the world at the time uh, because I, I really had a very bad attitude about the world from an early age. Um, my family was uh, fairly dysfunctional mm-hmm. and uh, fairly, that's, that's been it lightly, but also... Um, I didn't have any faith in any kind of God or anything, but I was I was very interested in e- in ecology. You know, ever since Rachel Carson's book came out, Silent Spring. I don't this know. Goes back to this, that, it's, it was the first ecology book that ever came out. It goes okay. back to the '60s. It okay. kind of changed the world. Well, I I got that, and it just riveted me. It uh, shifted me, and so I became kind of, I guess what you call very interested in ecology. And at that time, all the experts were saying that if, if humanity stopped everything it was doing then, it was still too late. And then books like The Population Bomb came out and said we'd all be cannibals by 1987. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, so that was not, it was not good times. But no. and I believed it. And um, uh, I believe, you know, I, 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 these are experts. You know, I don't know why we really listen to them. They're more wrong than they are right, usually. But um, uh, so that really hit me in my heart. And I... Uh, uh, and I'll I'll finish that story a little bit later when I tell you about my life review because okay. I I found that I found the seed of my disease that actually related to my worry about the planet. We can talk about that when I, I tell you about the life review. But um, so I had a I, I really thought um, you know everything was gone wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the world would end in my lifetime. Not from a religious point of view, although there are plenty of people out there like that. I call them the uh, end times crowd. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, and plenty of that going on too. And uh, so um, I withered away. And uh, uh, in my written will, I wanted to be left alone at least six hours. You know, make sure I'm really dead. You know, I hadn't even told my parents anything. Um, oh my gosh! And I knew if I went into a coma, my mother would never let me go. I'd still be on tubes. You know. Right, and your and your body's <laughs> breaking down at this point. The I'm the, withering away yeah. at, at the end stages. The only thing I could really take in was milk, you know, like a glass of milk, okay. and um, uh, and episodes of of, uh, of uh, pain that just kind of takes you out. But but um, oh, n- not constant episodes of that, though. It was kind of graceful that way. But in the um, 
in the hospice house, um, uh, I say they had a library, but they actually had a small bookshelf with um, lots of books on it, world religions and other stuff like that. And while I was there, I did I did go through some of those thick books <clears throat> on world religions, trying to kind of, you know, bone up on what might be next, right. you know. And uh, none of it made any real sense to me. I mean, it's like silly stuff, especially the silly stuff, reincarnation. It was so silly. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> so, so it didn't really resonate uh-huh. with me, you know. In a, you know, big, so, but um, at least I gave it a glance. And, you know, but um, when, when the day came, um, uh, I, I believe it was uh, just after sunrise, and uh, I woke up and I had a knowing that I was going to die very soon. And it's the kind of knowing a mother has about a child or a soldier has before he go in, goes into battle, things mm-hmm. like that. It's a clear knowing, and it's, it calms you, actually. It's, it actually calms you down because it's finally here, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, they, uh, they usually didn't um, come into my room till about 10 o'clock anyway because I was very weak. And um, uh, so I, I, I sit up, I'm, I'm looking at, I thought, what well, was the sunrise, and I had this clear, like, feeling I'm going to die real soon. I thought, great, you know, mm-hmm. let's go. And um, then the next thing, I guess I went back to sleep. The next thing I, I remember is um, a kind of a classic scene where I'm out of my body looking at my body. Mm-hmm. And it was so vivid and real, you know. And I'm going, whoa. And uh, there was this uh, kind of vapor of light, kind of like fog drifting from my body. And uh, I now know that was uh, the life energy leaving. And now scientifically I understand it as biophotons. I can go, I know in the quantum physics about what that was, but now I understand it. But um, so uh, I was very confused. And um, I was surrounded by darkness and just looking at my, uh, my, myself in the, in the bed. And, uh, and then, uh, long story short, I, I, um, I was trapped in darkness. I felt alone and very scared. And uh, I thought, is this how it really ends? You end up in a black hole. Is this it? It was a terrible feeling. And because you're, you know, the surprising thing is, you know, you're fully conscious. That's the funny thing about it. Oh, it's <laughs> you know? amazing, isn't it? <laughs> um, you're fully conscious, and I didn't even question that part of it till later. You know, mm-hmm. like how could I, how could I even think? You know, right. and um, and uh, uh, so uh, I felt trapped, and uh, I uh, at one point I was I was so desperate, like begging for help, that. Um, uh, an interesting thing happened. Uh, an angel appeared to me, and I don't believe in angels. I, you know, and it actually appeared to me in the way that I perceived angels, which was a golden figurine, the kind you have at Christmas. You know, you put a candle in it or something. Yes. And it actually appeared uh, as as a, a golden figurine type of angel, but it was alive. Uh, it looked alive to me, and. Um, I didn't know what else. I was shocked. I said, are you the angel of death? <laughs> That's all I'd ever heard, probably from movies. You right. Know? And uh, are you the angel of death? And um, that's when the angel said, my name is Mellon, um, and um, uh, you need to look at the light. And, and it pointed to my heart. Like you know, I didn't see a body, but it pointed to my heart area where it would be. Mm-hmm. And um, it explained to me that the light starts in your heart, and then connects to this other. I saw a dot of light way out there somewhere, that they're connected. And I was panicking. Uh, um, and um, But uh, w- with the help of that, uh, quote, angel, 
um, I found I, I found enough focus to focus on the light and make the connection. Uh, you know, the kunas may call that an, an aka thread or a silver, you know, you might call it a silver thread or something. But we're mm-hmm. connected directly, and that light actually starts in our heart. It doesn't start on the other side. You know, it's all connected uh, in, 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 in what I learned. And so I, I followed that thread. But for me, um, it wasn't like a tunnel of light. And because uh, this was, uh, this, uh, my near-death experience was before the Internet. And there's some difference now between um, pre-Internet and post-Internet experiences. Oh, I never uh, even I, thought that that would be so, but okay. Right. And it shows you evolution, number one, but it mm-hmm. also shows you... Uh, that more and more people have gotten interested in the subject and are more steeped in it now and, yes. and have all this in their head before they have a near-death experience, you know? Oh. So what's happening is, what happen, what's happening is there's kind of a uniformity happening now, and that happens in evolution. You know, things are kind of wild at first, and then they, they evolve into a kind of a standard. But before the Internet, you know, the ton of light wasn't necessarily that common and other things like that. Um, so, you know, that's a, it was a different world in a, in a way. But um, uh, so um, here I am, completely clueless, and I, I go to this. For me, it was like I was at the bottom of the ocean, the dark part of the ocean, and I could see this light, and it was at the top of the water. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Top of the ocean. And I just tried to, it was like I was trying to swim to that light, trying to break the surface, trying to get to that light. And... Um, uh, and I, 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 I did make my way to the light and, uh, and had, a, had this wonderful experience of, of um, geez, you know, I don't know what's going to happen here. And so uh, this light is, it was so impressive um, that I blurted out, are you God? You know, what else would you say? Sure. <laughs> and, uh, um, and the light represents, and I've always said this, the light also represents... Um, your higher self nexus to all other higher selves on the planet. It's a matrix, and it, it, it's a direct connection to the entire network. Um, so the light, you're like talking to yourself. I, I've called this the great self, the greater mm-hmm. self, you know, of which we're all a part of. We're all a part of a greater self here, a, a greater life. And um, so this is why the light seems to know you so well. Because you're part of it, it, right? Exactly. I mean, who knows you better? Who knows you better? Well, and that explains Um, why it's so bright. (laughs) Um, And and incarnation after incarnation, it's been with you, you know. Oh, but you uh, didn't believe in reincarnation. Well, well, I after I had my conversation for life. I'm kidding. I, I, I certainly got it. I certainly got it because it finally was explained to me uh, outside of the uh, usual, like um, you know, Indian experience or whatever. You know, the, the yes. dogma. But uh, we can talk about that later. I was kidding, anyway. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, I really. But but you know, I, I so, so the light seems to know you very very well, and will speak to you at whatever level you're at, child level, adult level, mystical level, metaphor level, wherever you're at. And being an artist and a poet, I live in my metaphors. You know, I live in my poetry. And uh, so my experience represents that. My story represents the way I was looking at things. You know, I don't know what happens when, say, an accountant has a near-death experience. Maybe all the numbers add up. It's euphoria, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, something like that. But for me, uh, I was a more um, kind of... um, uh, an artist, you know, free, free spirit, um, and had really no, no dogma that I knew of in my conscious, although I found out I had a lot in my subconscious. But the light said to me, when I asked the light, are you God? 
and and I was I was really thinking maybe I'm in trouble for all the bad things I've said about God, you know, <laughs> in my, yeah, my life. Sure. I used to put people down, but um, the light said back to me, "Who and what is not God?" And I understood what the light was saying. The entire universe, the entire earth, every atom is the body of what we call God. This is this is God. You know, you're already there. And it really humbled me. You know, oh, it sure. humbled me to be a part of this that we're a part of, you know. And those are pretty and, profound uh, words. Who and what yeah. is not God. And it was perfect for me. I got it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and uh, so then... Um, so then... Um, uh, and this is where Ken Ring, and I'm in, I'm in his book. Um, uh, this is Ken Ring studied me, and he, he says uh, this is this is what was different. When I started saying uh, that, I asked the light if I could just stop this experience for a minute. You know, I, I've, I've got like some questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'm, I'm blown away by all this, and and I I, I don't want to, I don't know what's next. So I, I said, can we take a conversation with the light that has remained this 30 plus years to this day and uh, uh, it, I, I was able to ask the light every question I ever had or could think of and um, and came to a part of the experience where all my questions had been answered now that's all my questions I don't have all your questions or anybody else's mm-hmm. questions right. so my questions were answered to my satisfaction about you know the light the universe and, and things I were interested in I, there's lots of stuff I'm not interested in, so I didn't ask about it but um, so I came to the end of uh, the conversation. But I, I'll put a bookmark there for a second, and because uh, I think it's important to go back to my life review, which I think I, I skipped back. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, let's go back there for just a second, and then we'll go back to the light. Um, for me, being in that darkness, uh, at a certain point, um, I guess what we call a life review happened, and it was like going around me in pictures that were like alive. And I'm a photographer and an artist, so this is how it was presented to me. And um, uh, it started, uh, it was a review of my life that started uh, ticking down from the moment of my death all the way back to my conception, actually. And uh, I was watching all this, and there were dark frames and dark doors, and I didn't want to open them. And you're not forced to even, even have, an, have a life review. You know, nothing, nothing's forced on you. Interesting. In fact, if you have a life review, you don't have to look at everything. You don't even have to get it. Because there's another, there's twofold purpose I'll, I'll talk about in a minute okay. about the super importance of, of a life review. But, um, so mine was taking away, and I was seeing these moments of my life and, and how I affected people and, and, and how people have affected me. And I saw all the seed of my disease. What got me was um, that I had so personally identified with the world's going to end some way. And uh, one day, back in the um, uh, 70s, I, res- I got a uh, ma- uh, ecology magazine, and I, I was going through a, uh, some of the articles, and they had an article that had this, this two-photograph collage. And one photograph was um, an aerial uh, photograph of the city of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And the photograph right next to it was a cancer cell. And they looked almost, they, they looked like, they, they almost mirrored each other. It stunned me. Um, and, because, uh, you know, uh, San Francisco streets are kind of crazy. And, the camp, yeah, and it was sure. like streets and avenues. It was like, I couldn't believe this. It was so apparent that this was the truth 
that I, in my heart of hearts at that moment, and I didn't realize this at the time, in my heart of hearts in that moment, I decided that nature had gone wrong, had mm-hmm. accidentally created a malignant cancer that was going to kill the planet, and it was humanity. So, you know, get the metaphor. I'm thinking humans are cancers. My brain is thinking that. Right. I'm a human. I'm a human. And believe me, you get more of what you think than anybody else. Sure. Oh, that's good <laughs> news I, and bad news. <laughs> okay. Exactly. That's why you got to watch your, watch your worldview because... Um, and especially if you start telling people these negative worldviews, every time you tell that story, you're getting more of the energy than anybody else, you know. Oh, wow. And uh, it, it comes back on you. And so I really did believe that. Now, and so suddenly I, I saw in, in an instant, oh, that's where it came from, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, other things about my life review, but, um, you know, getting back to the light, I, I, uh, I asked all kinds of questions like, um, uh, why is humanity, well, one of the first questions was, why is humanity so dark and doomed, and why even bother um, creating humans or having humans or, or a world like this? Why even bother? What's, what's the problem? You know, I mean, that, that doesn't, you know, it never resonated with me that that was, like, fair or, uh, or necessary if you're God Almighty, all-knowing, yeah. all-powerful, what, all-loving. I mean, right. Yeah, you know, what's this? Um, uh, just toying with us. And um, so I asked the light that question, why is humanity so dark and doomed? And uh, at that moment, the light turned into kind of a mandala. You know, uh, if people don't know what mandalas are, it's almost, uh, another way in the West is, it's almost like those big, round, stained glass windows in, in cathedrals. Mm-hmm. And uh, this mandala was alive, and I was taken into the center of it, like the center of this matrix, and it seemed as if I was allowed to look into every human soul that had ever been, including my own. And I could see no darkness whatsoever in our core essence, in our soul. Wow. No human that's ever been on this planet has ever darkened the soul, no matter what they've done outside you know, in the world. Um, and I also learned that you can't be cut off from this. You cannot be disconnected. You can think you are. You can forget about it, but you can never lose it. And... Um, that changed me, and and when I got the when I when I really um, got the revelation, and I was like, you know, awed. The light said to me, "Oh, beautiful human." Hmm. And then I knew we were loved. We're we're really loved, you know. And our core essence can never be tainted. This, you know, uh, and some people don't like to hear this, but even the worst person in the world has a has a pure soul. There yeah, no I, I, I think of, you know, you know, Hitler, right, in my head. Right, 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 yeah, so. I mean, people like that. Sure. But, uh, but at the core essence, this is, a, this is all good. It's, it's, um, it's the saving grace of the world, is our, our core essences mm. produce mostly good and gentle and caring people, not Hitlers. You know? Right, yes. And, and so, uh, um, and so that, that, just, that just changed my whole mind right there about the world and everything feeling that and, and seeing that for myself, you know. And I asked other questions like, uh, this silly stuff, reincarnation, you know. Uh, while we're at it, what about reincarnation? It seems so silly. And the light uh, um, explained to me that many of the spiritual explanations of it are a bit weak and, and flimsy, but it's more real than e- even most spiritual people imagine. It's so real that it's involved in quantum physics, it's involved in your core being, and 
Light told me that the number one thing that the universe does is reincarnate. Everything reincarnates all the time. When stars die, they create new stars. Mm-hmm. When uh, and there was multiple levels. You know, I, I do a whole course on reincarnation now, but uh, there are multiple levels of reincarnation. You know, it's uh, very interesting. You know that I was told that you when you when you have a child, you are biologically reincarnating. Hmm. That's a form of reincarnation. Uh, your ideas can reincarnate. Uh, you're, you're definitely your your soul essence reincarnates, and it's it's um, everything. It's it's the one thing the universe does all the time: is reincarnate and regenerate. You know, energy doesn't die; it just goes through transitions. Oh, know, I think of a log me. that burns and changes form to heat, or a puddle mm-hmm. that dries on a. Mm-hmm beautiful sunshiny day it turns to vapor and maybe become a plow- mm-hmm. cloud and then come down as rain yeah yeah you know um uh so um i i really got a good lesson and have many lessons since then on reincarnation from a practical point of view not a, a spirit mm-hmm. uh, not a sort of religious point of view i call it practical reincarnation and um uh so you know there, there, there came a point um where my life review, uh, where my questions were over, I couldn't think of any more questions. And the light asked me, but what was your first question? And of course, the light knows me. I understood immediately what that meant. That meant there's a time when we're young that we ask our first serious question about the universe. It may be, you know, why the sky is blue or mommy, how did I get here? You know, that kind of question where you're looking out for the first time outside of yourself. And, uh, um, oddly enough, and I think it's from being in uh, Catholic boarding school from first grade on, been told I'm going to go to hell, hell for eternity. I did contemplate deep subjects like eternity. You know, oh. how long is that? And a um, long time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like what Woody Allen says: uh, uh, "Eternity is a long time, uh, except right at the end." <laughs> <laughs> Woody Allen's you know. a nut. Yes. Yeah, but um, uh, so. Um, so uh, my first question, oddly enough, uh, that I had stuck in my head till I hit puberty, ever, ever since I was in uh, like early grades of uh, boarding school, thinking about eternity and heaven and hell and all that stuff, my first question was, I wondered why we have to die at all. You know, why do we grow old and die? Mm-hmm. That just seems silly. If you're, you know, if you're almighty, all-powerful, what's all this about? And... Um, uh, so I asked, I went, oh my, oh yeah. So I asked the light, why do we grow old and die? And uh, uh, then uh, two figures, you know, people ask me if I saw any relatives on the other side, and I usually tell them, had I had I seen any, I probably wouldn't have talked to them, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> excuse me. That's but, why um, you didn't see them. <laughs> yeah, right. I wasn't, in, I wasn't interested. The light and is then, all then, wise, was, yes. You know, it's that kind of a fragmented family. But, um so, uh, so uh, two lights, two columns of light appeared, and out of the right column came, uh, looked like um, a strange, small, maybe guy from India. And uh, I heard the word Dinshaw. And later I found out that was uh, Garadelli uh, Dinshaw. Uh, I mean, uh, Dinshaw Garadelli, who was the first modern scientific person who started healing people with lights back in the uh, 19, you know, 1919 and, and you 20s heard the name in your near-death experience. Yeah, I heard the, I heard the word Denshaw. Cool. And, uh, okay. um, and, and, you know, after my near-death experience, kind of tried to look all that up. Mm-hmm. He was the first scientific person to c- c- cure people with light, and he invented the first really 
uh, scientific professional machines to do it, you know, light projectors. But, uh, but he happened to come along at the time, and he was getting wide reputation when a new upstart organization called FDA picked him as a snake oil salesman oh, and sure. persecuted him pretty, pretty hard and heavy. Then when he was finished downloading all of his information to me, and it was like it was being written, I could, it was like being written in golden letters in my brain, it felt like, you know, inside me. Then, uh, then the, the column on the left opened up and a short portly guy with a beret and you know, some kind of funny mustache stepped out and he started, he was very excited and he started immediately educating me about starlight. And it, I later found out through PMH Atwater, who's a friend mm-hmm. of mine who kind of discovered me in the backwaters, you know, she's been on um, this show. She was one of my first guests. Yeah. She's you know, we're still friends to this mm-hmm. day, but she's, she's sort of the first that really, uh, uh she, she was actually the first near death I ever met mm-hmm. because I didn't know any near-deathers. I didn't even know the word, basically, until I attended a lecture at PMH Outwaters. And that's when I went, oh. I'm not alone in this. There's, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe maybe that's what happened. I, I had no reference point. <clears throat> so, um, um, <clears throat> excuse me, get a little drink of water that's here. That's okay. I'm thrilled to be listening because so many of the concepts and questions and things that you're saying, while I'm excited and interesting interested it takes a little bit for my mind to kind of get around what it is you're saying and put it together and mm-hmm. it's it's wow <laughs> well it's taken awesome. me 30 years to it's taken me about 30 years to really grock it yes. you know, myself because uh I'm someone with not much of an education, but uh, it's like I, I got uh, it's like I got a scholarship to this great school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been I've been going to school ever since. But um, so so this short portly guy with a beret starts uh, educating me about starlight and electrons and protons, and he was very excited. And then he started drawing this stuff to show me, and it, it was turned out to be later I found out fractal geometry, but he was drawing it for me. And it was telling me that fractal geometry was the mathematics of God, and if you really understood it, you could trace your past lives, your future lives, all your patterns are in there. And, uh, you know, fractal geometry is one of the main sciences today, from entertainment to science. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a huge, but, but you know, um, so it turned out, and it was PMH Atwater that figured this out for me. I couldn't really figure out the guy. She says, you know, that sounds like Walter Russell. Uh-huh. Of the universe of, of the University of Light, and uh-huh. she showed me a picture. I said, "That's the guy. <laughs> that's the guy." Because I didn't even get a name for him. Um, I said, "That's the guy." And then she took she took me up to Swannanoa, you know, his former yes, University yes, of Light. Yes, yes, yes. I said, "Ooh!" I, I saw his bust and everything, and I said, "That's that's the guy." That's incredible. And, I've uh, I've read most of his books and fascinated uh, by him. Yeah, yeah, oh, and I'm cool. I'm a I'm a part of that group now, and um, have uh, channeled Walter a number of times for things. But uh, but so he was so busy showing me all this stuff, and it was like indelible in my in my mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, so that ended, and it was time for me to come back. And I because by then I I understood and believed in reincarnation. Right. I, I really got it. You know, it makes sense to me now. And. Uh, I felt my I felt I was getting heavier, and that's what I call um, gravity pulling me back. You know, back. I wasn't told to go back. I was never. It was never discussed. Or anything. I just knew we all reincarnated. So when I started feeling heavy and I was done with the light, it was like I was falling back. And I really thought I was going to start a brand new reincarnation. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I was very happy for it. Oh, great! You know, I get a brand new start. But um, I ended up right back in my same body. You know the. Uh, uh, seems like about with no time gap um in my consciousness so um uh 
later, you know, days and days later, I would have these visions and I'd go, what a burn. I thought I was going to get a new life. And here I am back in the same body about the second I left off, you know, and, uh, and that, I, you know, I, I learned a lesson. You can't skip grades. No, <laughs> you, you had it, more you experience. Did you start oh, getting yeah. better? I mean, I, I can't help but think uh, you must have, I mean, it sounded like your well, time Well, was up, I but... did. Uh, 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 the, the first week or two was very strange, especially the first week. I was, I was very multidimensional. I actually didn't know if I was here or there, okay. really. And I had the strangest uh, conversation with my uh, caretaker who would... Uh, I'd be in a chair and she'd walk by like a like a dream, and I'd say, um, "Am I alive? Am I alive?" And she would look at me and say, "You were dead. You were dead. I know you were dead." And uh, it really, uh, she was um, a very nice, uh, unpreachy, genuine Christian, and it just completely this whole thing completely unnerved her. It just really rocked her world, sure. let alone mine. And uh, and then I started, you know, I did start recovering, and then finally doctors checked me, and I got kicked out of hospice. You know. <laughs> Wow, that's and incredible. I, and I didn't get tested to months and months later because all the people were recommending it, I didn't want to know. Well, every time I've got left, I don't want to worry. I'm, gonna, I'm feeling but, different than I've ever yeah. felt, and I've got a good picture of everything uh, for myself to you know, um, be in this world. But and something so, obviously um, happened because it is now 2014 that we're <laughs> talking. I've lived about twice the life I should have, you know, would have without that near-death experience. Wow. But I'm one of these people that decided not to do any treatments at all. I just fell through the cracks. And there are many people that do that, by mm-hmm. the way. And um, so I was tested months later. Um, and uh, I remember the doctor uh, putting up the scanner slide. Um, and he said, oh, this is interesting. And I got chills up my back. Cause I, oh, no, here we go again. That's mm-hmm. what I thought. Terminal, right. And he, sa- and he said, um, here's, here's your cancer. And the one we just, the one we just took... It's not there at all. There's no traces whatsoever. And he said, if we'd uh, if we'd done surgery or, or radiation, you'd, you'd you'd always see the damage there from the surgery or the radiation. It would always show up in every every uh, X-ray or slide you know you ever did. And uh, I blurted out, "It's a miracle." And he said, uh, "No, no, um, we call these spontaneous remissions." <laughs> and um, I said, "Good enough for me." But when he said that. Um, Oh. I said, well, what does that mean? Because I didn't even know what it meant. And he explained to me that in, every, in medical records, documented medical records, in every known human condition, there have been remissions. Um, spontaneously, um, from adults growing new teeth, MS people um, uh, suddenly not having MS, a blind person getting hit by lightning and seeing again, mm-hmm. uh, you name it. You know, but, and that, that triggered me to the course I've been on ever since to this day, and that was... I believe that miracles have a physical component. If it happens in flesh, there is a mechanism that uh, it, there's the way it happens. It's not hocus pocus. It's not magic. And uh, so I started looking at the, uh, the, what I call the physics of miracles. And my idea was, if we could understand this, maybe we could help people trigger spontaneous remissions. That was I always my that. goal. You see what I mean? Yeah. Because because we have plenty of evidence it happens. You know. And uh, so um, he put me on that course, and I've been on that ever since. I, I was very lucky to get funding and things. You know, a few years later, somebody listened to me and validated me with a, a world-famous scientist. And he said, I know what this guy's talking about, you know. And I was actually talking um, quantum biology and didn't know what. And quantum biology is the cutting edge of, of, um, of uh, uh, science today, uh, uh, as biology, uh, you know, biophysics is a cutting edge of physics today. Biology, 
uh, is going to be the biggest thing ever. But um, over just chemistry, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, Melon, uh, so I was able to... I just have to tell you, our time's going by fast, and it's breaking okay. my heart because I'm thinking... No, well, you cut it out. Cut it out. No, like I can this be a, a two-hour show, and it, it can't, we can do a part two. But if you don't mind, because there's no question in my heart of hearts that I'm going to stay connected with you and dig and dig and dig and find out some more of the things that you know and you've learned Great. and be able to share that. But when you brought up Walter Russell, and, and for our listeners who don't know, Walter Russell did so much in one lifetime and so many different fields, and he would tap into himself and I forgot the words but I mean he could do great poetry and art and just so many different things in one lifetime and when I read your bio melon with everything that you've done I'm like this guy's another Walter Russell that's exactly what I said and and to myself (laughs) and so can you talk a little bit about um when you came back and, and getting into inventions and and I know this is a broad question, but like you're still tapped into the light and, and you're just a, a man of miracles, I think. I mean, you're, you're incredible. Well, thank you. I've, I've never, um, for me, it's always been very clear and fearless. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, this is why, uh, you know, I actually am documented for you know, helping to code a genetic disease at a university and things like that. But I, oh, I, I don't go in incredible. with any pretension uh, uh-huh. and I don't go into these projects with any happens or it doesn't, you know. Okay. And usually usually it's happened with very useful information for uh, uh, think tanks and corporations and things over the years. But um, uh, but I, I go in just clear and I just give it a shot. But what we learned over the years and working with a lot of people and, and I, uh, the other thing that Ken Ring discovered um, was that he, he had, until he met me, he'd never met a near-deather that goes back to the light at will every day. In fact, I go back every day. And I can go back for uh, ideas, think tanks, or, or you know, uh, other things. And um, so he, he set up a, an experiment at the University of Texas um, that really kind of put me on the map. You know, they really tested me. And um, I was able to retrieve information I, I would have no knowledge or experience or training in that was a- accurate and useful, you know. So, uh, so that was interesting. But I, I go back to the light at will, and a lot of people ask me, how do you do that? And what do you I tell say, them? <laughs> Well, Somebody it, it, who wants I, to know? <laughs> I say I say it's one of these things like music. You can learn it. I, I don't know if you can if it can be taught, but you can learn it, um, like studying with a shaman or something. But hmm. uh, it's not it's not an intellectual process. It's an emotion. The, the best thing you can do to get to the light is have an emotional connection to it. And I never forgot that first moment of being with the light. You know, you know, you know the feeling. It's like whoa. <laughs> I never forgot that, and that still makes uh, gives me like a kundalini effect up my neck every time I even think about it, you know, so I get this, this rush, and uh, so, you know, I came out of this whole thing um, uh, with no fear of death, of course, I don't want to suffer, but no, although, no. I lost the, uh, although I lost the fear of death, and I, I, I know we're going to live many, many lives to come, what I did do was I respected life, and so... Um, before my near-death experience, I was a rock climber, a skydiver, and other things, and I stopped all of that in respect for life because I want to live a long, useful life and do planet work. So why throw myself out of an airplane or climb rocks? You know, yeah, you've uh, got just, a lot just more, more life yeah, in you and things to give yeah. and ways of making a difference. So it changed me in that way, and um, and then you know. Uh, um, 
I've never, I've never put out my own book because the light told me not to sell my book, but to give it away, and that's what I've done. Oh, it, it, which and is funny because I look, I typed your name into Amazon. Like this guy must have a book, and you're written right. about in so many other books, right? And so, um, I, I know you have a DVD set and some other things, but it's just mm-hmm. like, you know, you really do leave. And I think others, as well as myself, wanting more because you have just mm-hmm. you've given us a present that we just are getting a little peek at, and it's like we want what's inside, and um, it, it's opening up a new world. Yeah, so I, I do plan to put out books now in my life, like ebook and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and also that's why I produce the DVD Spirit of Gaia, which is all the great lessons I've learned from the light. And, you know, that's uh, that's doing very good around the world. It's really resonating with people. Oh, I'll right. get that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's more I want to sure. ask you, but now I'm, I'm it just, I'm speechless and I'm like thoughtless. I'm in this point where, what what do I even say? I What you've done, Melon, is you've, you know, because I, I, like I said, I studied about Walter Russell and I always remember that he'd just tap inside that part of himself the cosmic consciousness a course in cosmic consciousness i think is what his um home study course i did was and and just to be talking to a person that connects with that intelligence the light and like you know walter russell's long gone i think he died in 66 or 64 or something and to be talking to you now like this is all possible you know it takes something that previously seems like uh, make-believe and and no no this is reality and so to know this is all real it it leaves me with a whole new access of how we can live life I mean I may not be someone who can connect with the light at will right now and I may not ever be but just based on everything you have said there's a whole new way I can live my life with the trust that there is a much bigger picture oh I do want to ask you something because I I do have a friend who's got um, brain cancer and she had had a tumor removed and um, and it that did not cure it and I don't know her how she's doing right now but she's doing a lot of prayer and um I think she's struggling right now. Everybody is physically going to die someday. And what do you say to people that may not have the spontaneous remission or the miracle um, to give them either some hope or is there the possibility of healing? Um, Or are some things just out of our hands? Well, uh, it depends on uh, what you really believe, and a lot of people never got to know themselves, what they really believe inside, and that's why, you know, when I, when I, I did hospice work for a while, and I also counsel, um, um, you know, terminal people also o- over the many years and, and try to give them this insight, um, a lot of people just haven't got to know themselves because that's not what we do in this culture. And that's not what they teach us to do. There may be a belief in there that's triggering all this, and that and if that belief isn't cleared, then um, you know you suffer the consequences of it. So, but um, the other thing too is is that I, the first thing I ask them is, um, you know, I, I try to talk to them about you know, there is no death. That's why I try to teach reincarnation. But there is no death. There's many mansions for us and many lives, and I try to get them into that mode. But also, I have to ask them the question, just honestly and, and genuinely, um, you know, let's go 
so deep here. Do you want to live, or is this incarnation finished? Because mm. you know, you'd be surprised. I mean, people, there have been people who've gotten great relief by going, "Oh yeah, I'm finished with this incarnation. You know, I'm done." And um, you know, then you just want to go out peaceably. Now, on the other hand, people that really want to live, I say, well, it's miracle time. It's miracle time now. The the universe, you know, everything in the universe is supposed to be impossible. You know, the yes. entire universe is impossible. So we're living in a huge miracle, and we're part of this miracle. And what the light has told me is that why people don't see that many miracles in, in the modern world is that you've got to take the time and make the space for a miracle in your life, you know. Um, you can run all over the world trying to see holy men, but unless you take the time and make the space, you know, uh, in your life, uh, you'll find miracles happen more often, you know. But um, and th- there are, there are healers I recommend um, that I would go to, and all of them are in America. I think the best ones I've ever seen are in America, and and I love to work with healers that are not to be are not afraid to be tested by universities. You know, <laughs> that's, that's kind of, cool. You know, I, I just don't go to you know. Uh, shamans in the jungle, although I've known many. I've spent, oh, sure. I've spent many time in caves in the jungles with shamans. But for me, I just rather know that someone's been open to be tested, has been documented. And, uh, and so, I, so I, I sometimes recommend uh, two or three of these people. And uh, they've, they've actually helped uh, a number of people over the years. And, uh, but it's miracle time. You know, mm-hmm. you, if you really want to live, it's miracle time. Let's can make people, take the time and make a space. Can people get in touch with you and ask questions? I mean, are you? Um, well, I don't do any medical. Thing no, no, at no. All, I don't know? mean that. I but if somebody needs yeah. a recommendation for one of those people you yeah. just mentioned, yeah. mm-hmm. that that's yeah. possible. And that's I also, definitely. I also know. Um, I don't know. This is my instinct. My dad uh, fought cancer and died. So that's just what happened. And we tried everything to bring healing and have the miracle happen, and and it didn't. So what I also know, just based on my own life, it is that it is out of the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Dad went the way he did. But without that melon, I would have never become the person I am today. I would have never done as much research as I've done. I would never have learned so much about grief. I would have never written this book. And I would have never met you. So although it'd be nice to still have my dad here, um, what's become available after his passing is a whole life and a whole way of connecting people to some phenomenal things that wouldn't be available. So, you know, I don't have the answers of who who gets to live and who gets to die, but I do know we all play full out. It's true. Um, you know, there's um, uh, some people believe that there are no accidents, but I asked the light about that, and the light said, well, there has to be. Do you have a free universe? This is not a preordained universe. It's mm-hmm. completely free-range universe. And so sometimes uh, you, you can get these... Uh, terminal conditions, whether it be an accident or a toxic uh, event or um, toxic um, uh, environment that you're living in in a family or so. So, you know, sometimes it's not your fault that you got a cancer or got sick. It's not your fault. Um, these things happen, and, and we, we deal with them as best we can. Yeah. Sometimes it is your fault, though. You know, sometimes you really work on it. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> and we go looking. I mean, we, we have to do that soul yeah. discovery. But one thing like, like sure. my mother, um, my mother smoked cigarettes all her life, and that got her, you know. Yeah. Um, 
Although, you know, um, uh, one of my visitations of the light, um, we, we revisited that because uh, all my mother's life, I told her every time she lit a cigarette, that was going to kill her. And uh, uh, the light showed me the truth. And the truth is that most people that smoke get away with it. So don't tell people cigarettes are going to kill them because most people actually get away with it. I have a, a funny <laughs> short story to tell you, and then we're going to conclude this episode. But I was on an airplane yesterday, and the woman sitting next to me told me the story about when her mom passed away. And her mom smoked for 93, well, not 93 years, but ever since she was 15, and she died at 93. And this woman said just before the mom passed away, she said, who's that man over there on the horse? You know, and she was seeing her husband and she kind of a grouchy old thing. And, and, um, the daughter says, well, that's, that's daddy. He's come to take you home. And she says, well, where's home? And she says, well, that's heaven. And is it nice there? And she says, well, I imagine so because, you know, God's there and Jesus is there. And then, um, she says, give me a cigarette. You know, and uh, so the mother's in hospice and she's asking for the cigarette and the daughter says, you really want me to light this, mom? And and she says, you know what? Don't light it. She says, I don't want God to smell smoke on my clothes. <laughs> and then oh. she passed away not too much longer. That, that's a great story. Yeah. <sighs> you know, and that came wow. from us, a lady I sat in the Oxton airplane. Melon, thank you so much. Oh, sure. I just want to hug you and meet you and, and get your DVD set and, and learn more and then have you back on to ask more questions. Hopefully that's okay. You really sure, I'd love to. are a wonderful man. And let me, just a quick question. People that I've talked to that have had near-death experiences, they remember them like they were just yesterday as opposed to some other memory we've had from the past or maybe a dream. Is it the same with you, that it's just as clear and... Absolutely. Oh, um, cool. I, I often say, I, I often say, it actually seemed like it took one second, but it's taken me thirty years to tell the story. Oh, and I remember amazing. every, I remember every bit of it. You know, it just, uh, you know, you, you just never get over it, really. Well, you know? thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm like a little kid with a big yeah. Christmas present that I just opened. Um, how well, do thank people? Thank you so much, uh, Sandra. Yeah. How do people yeah. get to your website? Uh, you can just go to uh, Mellon, M-E-L-L-E-N, MellonThomas.com. And you can, uh, that'll lead you to another site I have for inventions and things like that, so you'll get to explore a lot of things that oh, I do. Yeah, it's very yeah. exciting. You're the modern-day Walter Russell to me, even though you're your own person. But I'm, I'm so excited to learn more. Thank you so, so, so much. And to our listener who spent time with us today, thank you for listening. I want to remind everybody to go to WeDon'tDieRadio.com if you're curious to see what Melon Thomas Benedict looks like. I've got his picture. I've got his bio. And you can tell your friends and just press play. Uh, beneath his picture and again thank you thank you thank you Uh, my name is Sandra Champlain I believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here is important and um, remember what Mellon said who and what is not God that means God is within you God is within everyone you see and I really believe the message Mellon has and just with this interview today can lead to a whole new way of living our life today, tomorrow, if we embrace it. So check out melonthomas.com. And again, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.